Welcome to School Nutrition Dietitian. I'm your host, Dahlia Kinsey. I work with programs all over the country as a registered dietitian and school nutrition specialist to save operations time and money on everything from employee training, social media marketing, and wellness programs. Every week, I bring you tips, tricks, and inspiration from fellow professionals in school nutrition and related fields. This week, we have Denisha Harrison on the show, Assistant Director from Marietta Schools. Denisha has a really distinct outlook on marketing when it comes to school nutrition because she has a real background in hospitality and restaurant management. So, During this conversation, she shares a lot of insights about how to really get your kids excited about eating with you and how you can increase breakfast participation. There's really a lot here. All right, let's get started. Here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the School Nutrition Dietitian. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you taking out the time. Of course. So first, can you tell me, how did you end up in school nutrition? Oh, man. Well, I graduated from Georgia Southern with my degree in hotel and restaurant management back in 2010. And my mom is or was a school teacher. She just retired. And she was like, oh, you know, you can be like a school nutrition manager. And I had just got out of college and I was 21. And I was like, I don't want to be a lunch lady. Lunch ladies are old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to be a lunch lady. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and so I continued to work for Chick-fil-A. I had been working for them since I was 16, and I was actually able to do my internship with them. And I was there. I worked at a corporate store, and it took me the longest to realize we had a couple changes there, and I wanted to be on the grand opening team, but they didn't have any more physicians available on the East Coast. So I would literally had to move to the West Coast if I got on a team and do um, six week rotations out there, which was a lot. And like six weeks was, changing yeah. stores or? Yeah. So basically the grand opening team with Chick-fil-A, what they do is they go out um, and they train a new Chick-fil-A that's about to open. And so they go out there, they help with the hiring, they help training new staff, and then they get the store up and running and then they're off to the next door. Mm. We're going to do it all over again. Had you already been used in training and onboarding people before you were interested in that position? So I did several positions while I was at Chick-fil-A. I started out as a cashier. When I went back to college, I went to Georgia Southern, and I was living in Atlanta. So every school break, I would come back up, and they would basically rehire um, the college students, and we would work over break. So December break and then summer break. And when I graduated, I became a marketing director, a unit marketing director is what they called them. And I was in charge of like kids nights. And I started one of the very first daddy daughter date nights in Georgia. It was an idea. And my boss at the time was like, I want to do this. This is your project while I was an intern. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then once he left, I became a training director for our store. And so I helped all the corporate stores, we all had training directors and we all sat down and created a training plan and we implemented those 
in the stores that we came from. And it was ongoing training as well as new hire training. And then when I decided to leave, I actually went to the airport and worked for a company called Jose's Branded Foods. And they had just got, they had just won the contract for the Atlanta airport. So we're about to open more stores. And one of those was the Chick-fil-A, but it took like two years to open. And I did not stay long enough to open the Chick-fil-A. I actually started interviewing for school nutrition manager positions at that point. I think I was 22 and I was, I am tired of fast food. And my mom finally got to me and she's like, well, Clayton's hiring and you need to apply and all this other stuff. So I applied for there. I think I applied into cab. And how I actually got in is Dr. Elade in Clayton County. She was working in DeKalb as a coordinator and they interviewed me, brought me in. I actually did two rounds of interviews with them for a high school. And what DeKalb does with most of their schools is a manager covers two or three schools, depending on the locations of the schools and the actual size. And I thought I was interviewing for a high school position and turns out it really was for like a high school and I think two elementary schools around it. So I didn't get that, but she and the other um, people that interviewed me liked me and asked me to enter a pool, I guess they had for assistant managers. And I went and I did an interview and took a test and I got on their assistant manager pool list. A couple of months later, I think she ended up in Clayton and they had positions open and she called me and she said, hey, are you still interested in working in nutrition? I said, yes. And she said, well, Clayton has some positions open. I think you should apply for it. So I did apply and somehow or another I got in as an assistant manager. Um, That was back in 2013. Wow. So you've been in school nutrition for a while. And so much training related to food service before you got there, I think that maybe that's not as unique to school nutrition manager positions because a lot of people I meet have been in restaurant work for years and years, but sometimes it does seem to be a little different um, for a central office person, but it's definitely an asset, I'm sure. Did you know you wanted to work in hotel and restaurant management before you got that job filet, or was that where you first realized it's a really interesting field to be in. That, working at Chick-fil-A is when I realized that I liked the restaurant industry or food and beverage industry. Before that, I, I'm really into sports and we do a lot of, or I hang out a lot with friends and we do sport commentary and all that fun stuff. And so I thought I wanted to go to school for like sports medicine or just like sports management, which now that I look at it, I'm very grateful that I decided to switch because being a woman in that sports management industry is not easy. Not saying that it's easy in food and beverage, but it's quite difficult (laughs) on that side. And being a woman of color, you don't see too many. You're starting to hear more stories about them now where they're landing these big sports stars and stuff like that. Like Zion, I think, has a Black female as his agent, as well as I think she was Dwayne Wade's agent as well. But that's just off on a tangent. So when I got to college and I started talking to my advisor (laughs) about it and he was like, yeah, you're in the wrong college. I think I was in the college of business. (laughs) And he's like, no, you're in the wrong college. You need to go talk to the people over at um, Health and Human Sciences. And that's when I found the hotel and restaurant management thing. And I was like, 
oh, I work at Chick-fil-A currently. This seems fun. Let me go over here. And I actually fell in love with it. Oh, well, that's awesome. It's not every day that you hear a success story related to a trip to the advisor's office. Like, so I'm sure there are a lot of amazing <laughs> advisors out there, but I didn't meet him while I was in school. Aww. They they were talking to somebody else. They were busy with somebody else. I don't know what happened there. But that is great. That's what you hope happens when your kid goes to school, that they get to focus on something that's going to lead to a career they're passionate about instead of like most people studying something completely unrelated and then realizing right. it is not connected <laughs> to your passion at all. Have you found a way exactly. to tie your interest in sports back to the food and beverage industry? Because I would think that there may be connections in student um, anyway. There's definitely a connection. One of my dreams kind of come to fruition, but not how I fully imagine it. So right now, my um, current title is culinary manager with Marietta City Schools. And one of my goals and what I do at, is create menus and um, recipe testing with students. And I really, really, really want to build a connection with our local sports teams, major league sports teams, which Atlanta United, their training facility is literally 10 minutes from our office. It is smack dab in the middle of Marietta City's jurisdiction, I guess, for their school district. And we're within Cobb County. And so they're within Cobb County as well. And then the Braves, the Atlanta Braves, are also not too far from our office. They're about 15 minutes from our office is where the stadium is. I don't quite know where their training facility is, but I really want to talk to the dietitians that they have on staff and their chefs and try to come up with something that we can feature on our menus, especially at our high school, we're kind of unique. Well, not kind of. <laughs> well, I will say we're kind of unique for Metro um, District because we have 12 school sites. One of them is our high school. We have about 2,600 students there. So we're always trying to figure out ways to entice our students to come and eat in the cafeteria with us, as well as give our athletes, our student athletes, a feel of hey, we're almost going to college. This is kind of what you can expect when you play for a college team and, you know, like their food, what their food looks like, things that still meet our school nutrition requirements, but also help fuel our student athletes. Mm. So I want to make a connection with the corporate chefs and stuff like that for the teams and see if we can feature some of the athletes' favorite meals on our menus. If that makes sense. is an awesome idea. So do you find that a lot of the students that you guys have have an interest in playing sports on a collegiate level? So, you know, living in Georgia, football is big. True. <laughs> football is huge. And we've got this, like, uh, state winning championship coach from, like, Virginia who came down and we're trying to recreate a program around him. And like I said, we have one high school in Marietta. So it is true blue devil spirit. And what we um, want to do is collaborate with them somehow. Um, and I think we've been doing a pretty good job getting inroads with that. And that's just the football team and like booster clubs and stuff like that. I've reached out personally to other booster clubs, presidents and student athletes 
around just to see what they like, what could entice them. Because I know for sure that our football team, the way that they work out, sometimes doing two-a-days in the morning and what we have to offer them as far as school nutrition regulations go, sometimes just isn't enough for those students because they're burning so many calories throughout the day doing, you know, multiple practices and weightlifting and all that stuff. And it's not just our football team. Our basketball team does that as well. Our soccer team, I've seen them out there practicing like that. We work a lot with our lacrosse team. So we have student athletes and we're just trying to figure out what's the best way to keep them fueled through the day. Basically, our philosophy is how can we incorporate school nutrition more into a student's life, not just while they're at school, but how else can we support outside of school or while they're on school grounds? What else can we do? That makes sense because the regulations are geared toward the general population and isn't meant to cover outliers like people who are very athletic or engaged in large amounts of physical activity because their needs are definitely going to be different. So is the plan to create a la carte items that are geared towards student athletes or when you say being more involved in their lives, what does that look like? So we don't really want to say it's geared towards student athletes, but how else can we service our students? We're talking about maybe putting like our vending machines. Our high school is getting a career academy built on onto the other side of the school. So it would be a long trek for students over there to come to the cafeteria for lunch. So we're trying to figure out, is there another way that we can provide reimbursable meals in that facility on that side. They're not building us a full kitchen, but can we have like a station where we set up a grab and go kiosk, stuff like that, where they can create reimbursable meals or also purchase things a la carte as well. And when I say um, working with these sports teams to get meals or menus designed that would entice student athletes, we also want our, our students that don't play sports to look at those meals or those menus and say, hey, I think I would like that. Or if Atlanta United is their favorite team, hey, those players eat that. Let me try that, you know, that sort of thing. So it's not just focused solely on athletes, but also enticing students that don't play sports to eat with us or find a new item that they like and are willing to purchase it a la carte if they've already received a reimbursable bill. That's a really exciting project. So would you say your experience with marketing at Chick-fil-A is helping you structure this or has informed how you reach out to other organizations that you could potentially collaborate with? You know, I've actually never looked at it like that. <laughs> it, the Chick-fil-A is very, you know, they have a brand. They're on brand. Everybody knows Chick-fil-A's. I mean, they have a logo. They have you know, specific things that are geared towards Chick-fil-A. So yes and no. We also, our school nutrition department does have a logo that we try to use everywhere. So we are more of a brand per se, but it's kind of difficult just because of what we're trying to do versus like Chick-fil-A. You can go on to like their internal website and pretty much everything's done or they'll ship a marketing kit to you where we're actually having to create these things. Um, and try to figure out what is actually enticing to students 
I was just having a conversation with a few friends the other day about this new generation and marketing to them or hearing seminars. And I think me and you have talked about this as well, how people try to attract millennials or work with millennials and all this stuff. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's funny because the people we're trying to market to are the children of millennials. So it's interesting to me to still hear so much of a focus on dealing with millennials like they're brand new. I'm like, they've had kids, you guys. We're way behind if we're still focusing on how to communicate with these wild, zany millennial kids. I am going to be 38 this year, and some sources say that I'm a baby Gen Xer. Some say I'm an elderly millennial. I would rather be an old millennial than a (laughs) a baby Gen Xer, just because the whole time I was growing up, people were identifying the kids that would graduate in the year 2000 as millennials. So I'm very offended by people trying to change my identity this far downstream. (laughs) I don't appreciate it. But yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me, this focus still on millennials. I see that it's on the agenda still. I don't know how old we're going to have to get before people realize (laughs) that the Gen Z people are already here. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they're about to enter the workforce. Exactly. Literally. I'm like, what are, when are we going to start talking about that? I'm the not sure. <laughs> but I will say, as far as marketing goes, this uh, school year, we tried something new at our high school where we did a second chance breakfast sort of thing. I think it's what it's been called in all of like the publications and all that stuff where if you serve breakfast before the bell and now you're trying to capture those kids that weren't able to eat with you before the bell for whatever reason that you're offering breakfast until like 10 a.m. And so we started this thing called, we called it a bistro cart and it was still items that we were able to sell as reimbursable meals, but they were more like snack items, I would call them, things that they can take with them that are packaged that they can take into class with them. And we had a really good success rate with it. It just, it's not coming back this school year. I'm really sad about it because I really worked really hard and our students were very engaging in it. It was just a one-week menu and we actually went around to the different classrooms and knocked on doors and asked if any students would like to get a breakfast. And we saw our breakfast participation increase tremendously from about 300. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty good. And our kids loved it. Like they would sometimes try to hunt us down (laughs) to figure out where we were going to be. And like I said, it was a one week menu. So they knew what items were being served and we gave them options. So we gave them two different entree choice options and then different fruit options. So like fresh fruit, raisins, craisins, applesauce, that was always on the cart, juice, and then of course milk. And they were able to just come up and put in their numbers if they hadn't got a uh, breakfast because we were provision two. Breakfast was at no cost to them. And we saw breakfast increase from about 300 a day to sometimes, I think our highest day was like 867 or something. Wow, just from rolling out that program, or was there something else that changed? No, nothing else changed besides us going. Um, it started right after first period started, and we tried to get the carts out rolling. Um, 
our school starts at 745. So our carts would hit the hallways about eight. And we would just, like I said, go to each hallway and knock on doors and see if any kids would like to come. And what really helped was like teachers that allowed us to come to their classrooms. They would, we made a sign for them and we put them on their doors and it would say like, Bistro Cart, welcome here. And so that's the classrooms we would stop at. So not so. all teachers participated. So it was a trial no, program from the beginning. Yes. And like I said, it was really successful, but we were interrupting classrooms and instruction time and all that stuff. So I can get why teachers were upset about it. So we'll see how it goes next year. Like I said, we're not going to be on provision two status. So it's going to be interesting to see if kids still want it. What we're going to try to do this year is incorporate more of those items into our actual breakfast menu to see if more kids would like to pay for that. Okay. What is the change from provision two going to mean for your students? So it's provision two is similar to CEP where, you know, you have to have a certain percentage of your students have to be already qualified as free or reduced before you can actually participate in provision two. And I'm no expert on it. So some of this may or may not be right. But the gist of it is you get your reimbursement based off of their status and how many of those students are actually eating. So if you had 60% free, but only 40% of those 60% um, kids, which is weird to say, but if only a portion of those 60% kids ate, that's the portion of reimbursement you would get. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. So (laughs) everybody still has a status, like you maybe were, you qualified to be classified as paid or reduced or free, but no one was actually handing the school nutrition program cash for their meals, unless it was their second meal or something. The first one was the reimbursable one. Okay, got it. Well, so that'll be interesting. So is there a lot of anxiety around that or how do you plan for a change like that? So in the little bit of budget talks that I have been a part of, it seems that we are going into this school year, believe at about 50%. And not every school was provision two status. So across the board for breakfast, K through or pre-K through 12th grade last year, everybody ate at no cost. And then five of our elementary schools were provisioned to for lunch. Oh, okay. And so that means they got, they got lunch at no cost. Everyone else had to fill out free and reduced applications for their lunch status. So what we've done is we've gone ahead and kind of budgeted for only half of our paid kids eating with us. And I'm not sure how else they broke down, like free and reduced. I'm pretty sure because our our reduced percentage is so low, I think at 7% or something that we're counting on all of those kids choosing us for breakfast and lunch. And then I'm not quite sure how they worked out the free students as well. So we'll see how it goes. So, so. Are you currently responsible for communicating with the managers any training topics like inventory control or anything that relates to budget control? I am not. I actually don't manage anyone under oh, me. nice. Right. <laughs> I was so happy when I stopped being a school nutrition manager and 
and went to the office and became culinary manager. But yeah, so their actual supervisor, who was our assistant director, is their direct report. And then she talks to them about like inventory and all that stuff. Now, if they have questions, I am the one in the office who has been a manager before. And so when we make decisions at the central office level that would affect our managers, I have input on that as far as like, how do you think managers are able to handle this? Or, you know, what do you think is the best way for them to do it? Like, what could we give them as a best practice? So that's incredibly helpful because I think with everything, when you're trying to roll out something new, there are just some things that if you haven't actually had hands-on experience with it, that will not be on your radar. So it helps to have people who specialize in different areas and have diverse experience to all weigh in when you're rolling something out. Our biggest issue sometimes because we have such a large school district and, and, well, I think we're large. We're really not that large in comparison to other people, like 40 schools. <laughs> but we have such different equipment at different places and different layouts right. that even if we bring in a manager from every age group for input, there will still right. be people who are that should have been there uh, because their layout is unique or their staffing is unique. So that's a little tricky. Is that really an issue with 12 schools or you still have that? Um, no, you still have it because every school is different, especially with their equipment and what they have and what they don't have. And like you said, you can try to bring in managers and ask them, but it also depends on how their their kitchen works and how their kitchen staff is set up to work if that makes sense. Like I used to put people in departments where you work together as a team and and I rotated the departments versus we have a manager who, you know, she's got six different serving lines. This is a high school. She has six different serving lines. And so the people that work on that serving line fix everything for that serving line. So sides and entrees and all that stuff. You have to know your staff and know where they would really thrive because I could see some people yeah. thinking this is great. They want to have a lot on their plate. They don't mind having to constantly switch from one task to another and other people who really want to monotask and you just have to know right. where to put people. So what do you think in the future is going to be the role that marketing plays in your district? So it sounds like average daily participation. It's important for everybody, but in this upcoming right. year, it's going to be super important as you transition from that way of handling your reimbursement to this new way. What role right. is marketing going to play next year? Well, we're hoping that we're going to have to market the heck out of our program <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> and we can't just, you know, assume that our schools that have the higher free and reduced numbers are going to actually participate with us. So we have to look at how can we make a program across the board and every, the thing that is so unique about our district, like I said, we only have 12 sites and we're within a district, a district surrounds us that every school is kind of different, especially demographically. So we have to figure out ways to market to those specific schools and those specific groups within that school and figure out what's the best way to entice them to come eat with us. 
a lot of people have the notion that it's school nutrition, you guys are in the school, they're going to eat with you, but that is not the case. Students have options to bring their own lunch, and it doesn't happen in our district, but I've heard of other districts that have to fight against open campus policies where their high school students are actually leaving campus and getting an opportunity to go out and choose anything else besides school food. So it's just trying to figure out the best way to market to our students and figure out what they want. Menus are always student-driven, but this year it's going to be super important to figure out exactly what they want. And if something isn't working, then probably pulling it sooner than we would have in the past. Right. Are y'all thinking of developing separate marketing campaigns by the school since there are those differences? Or how are y'all planning on approaching that? So I think we should do target marketing But this also puts a lot, I think, on the managers to say, hey, what do you think would work? You know, you're out day in, day out. You see what menu items, how they're going, how we get that. We get the information later than you guys do. And so they should be able to help us do some marketing or even if it's just feedback and then try to develop something based on that. What's going to be a crutch for us, I think, this year is our central office is small already. We only have five people in it. It's literally all hands on deck Mm -hmm. (laughs) for our department. Regardless, we'll really need the managers to kind of help us with some marketing, even if it's just we get it together at the central office and deploy out kits to them. If they can take them and, you know, put them up and promote it within the school, that would be great. That would put those up. Right. Yeah, it'll probably bring you guys closer. Do you feel like it makes a difference to the nutrition managers themselves to know that there's someone in the central office that has that experience? I I personally think so. Would it have made a difference to you, you think, when you were a nutrition manager? So to me, honestly, probably not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Just because of me and my personality and me working. I am going to do the best to my abilities. I'm going to follow the rule book. One of the favorite, one of my favorite things that I used to tell my staff is I have to hold you guys accountable because somebody is holding me accountable and I can't let you slide on certain things because you guys don't pay my bill. Ultimately, I'm responsible for this. (laughs) That's really what it is all the way down the line because it it comes to the regulations it's like we need that reimbursement so if the person giving the money says jump that's what you do so if it's all whole grains today or if it's 51 percent, you know what whatever the regs say that's what's happening because we are not trying to bankroll this operation ourselves so yeah that makes perfect sense it's a very rational (laughs) way to look at this i i I tried i am kind of disappointed sometimes with because everybody is beholden to different people it seems like Mm -hmm. in the educational system it's hard to get everyone to on the same yes and to understand that 
everything that we're trying to do, we can make it all work together, but we cannot doggedly focus on just our own objectives. We have to look at everything holistically and look at what's really going to benefit the students in a holistic way. I'm wondering if the teachers will be able to tell that not having that option up and down the halls for their teenage students to have breakfast is actually going to hurt test scores. And sometimes on a small scale, it's hard to see the results. Like we know there's studies that show having that right. option for breakfast later in the day, having that second chance is going to benefit all the academic outcomes as well. And it changes behavior in a positive way. But I'm wondering if they will be able to see the difference because not everybody expresses their hangriness in the same way. (laughs) That is true. I will say that I heard some feedback from some teachers that were just like, you know, I do like the idea of the bistro card. It is kind of hard to let the students out to get them back settled in into class and get them productive again. But I've seen the difference where they're paying more attention. You know, once they get settled back in, they've eaten or gotten, you know, a snack per se. So I've heard it, not from everyone, not from everyone, but I have heard that, you know, it has made a difference in some classes. And really to know that, that at least some people already have that impression that will probably help down the line, if not immediately. Right. So who knows? We're going to try. Well, I don't know if we're going to try, honestly, tossed around the idea of having the high school adjust their bell schedule to where there's more time after that first period of classes for them to change classes, but like a nutrition break where we can set up stations maybe for them to come out and get food if they want it, that sort of thing. We're still kind of working on that, but that would it's be another an idea. idea. Because honestly, it kind of stinks the way things sometimes are set up arbitrarily in that they ignore how the human body actually works. There are so many things that exist because of reasons that don't relate to how we best function. So even the idea of a lunch break, maybe that works in a factory because you're trying to control production. That's a byproduct of the Industrial Revolution. It doesn't have anything to do with how humans want to eat you know we graze we should eat on demand you eat when you're hungry you don't when you're not you shouldn't be held to an external schedule as far as eating goes and the fact that for years in school you have to eat at an assigned time and it'll probably happen to you again when you get into the workplace that isn't mm-hmm. going to help you follow your own hunger cues. It's only going to hurt. And then the, the few people that are stubborn are like, hey, I'm not going to eat if I'm not hungry. Then they're ravenous later in the day. And right. it shows in behavior. I, I mean, my whole office knows that if, if I'm hangry, it's, I can't conceal it. I try, but I don't, <laughs> I don't do well. And that do was well. an issue in high school as well, because even your circadian rhythms are different when you're a teenager. And the time right. of the day that we're asking them to be alert, it's, it's a big ask. It's not the best time for them. So, of course, they didn't eat breakfast. They couldn't get up. They couldn't sleep when they were told to go to sleep. 
due to no mm-hmm. fault of their own, people will say, oh, they stay up, they're distracted, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of that is the natural cycle. And you just happen to be up doing things because you are going to be up anyway. So it's a little unfortunate. I'm hoping that in the future, the more that people start looking at the science of productivity, that it doesn't help to keep fighting our natural patterns. And we have to make eating a priority. And we have to put more power back into the hands of the student as far as how the day is structured. But I mean, who knows that's going to happen? It'll probably be a long time (laughs) from now. I don't know. I really like the idea of the bistro cart just because I feel like when I was in high school, especially when I started dragging myself to school, I got to school right on time to make it by first bill. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I was not thinking about breakfast at school. I was not thinking about any of that. I got to school on time, like literally walking in right before the bill started. (laughs) So the idea of second chance breakfast would have been enticing to me when I was in high school. So I never once ate breakfast at school because I could not, I just couldn't make myself get up. I would rather sleep more than eat. I still feel that way. So yeah, second (laughs) chance breakfast would have been great because I would always get really hungry around 10 o'clock, but that was never the lunch period I was assigned to. So I would smuggle snacks. I probably made a lot of custodial staff mad. I'm sure I didn't worry about where those crumbs ended up, but (laughs) yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a challenge. Of course, you're just going to get there on time. I don't, unless you take the bus, I guess, then you'll be there. Yeah. So what is one tip you can share with other people who don't have a background in hospitality and hotel management that you know for a fact came from your training? that you think would be useful for all of us to know? Oh, man. You know, I'm not quite sure. I don't, I guess it's just just because I'm a doer. Um, Like, I've heard managers say, like, you know, to me, we could tell that you've been in a kitchen before because you don't mind, you know, helping out. Or if you see something, you know, you don't mind going over there and fixing it and not just saying something to the manager about it. Or you don't mind helping us and jumping in and sharing or whatever. So I guess my advice would be for like, if you're managing managers and you don't have the background um, of working in a kitchen or anything, just show your willingness to learn or to go into the kitchen and be fearful, I guess, is what I would say that just, I'm a, I'm a big believer in if I'm going to ask you to do something as your manager, if I need you to do something, just believe that it's only because I cannot do it myself. Right. I can do it, but I don't have the time to do it. So if I can show you that I'm not afraid of doing it, you're more likely willing to be like, yeah, I'll do that if I ask you. That makes sense. Leading by example or modeling the behavior. Yeah. There you go. Are really getting in there with them. <laughs> I I think that's a great idea. That's a great tip. And I think that probably isn't something that everybody realizes would maybe help how they're perceived when they do site visits. One of my things was I always observe like my staff 
when I was a manager, I would observe what they were doing first before I would say, no, 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 don't do it that way, blah, blah, blah. Or I would come over there and say, hey, I think there's a better way to do it. Let me show you how to do it this way. And if you still don't like my way, then you can go back to it. Oh, I like and that I just expect you to speed up. Give it <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> I base a lot of like my decisions off of me. Like I wouldn't want anybody talking to me or yelling at me. So I don't yell at my staff. Mm -hmm. I don't want, you know, people to come in and just start changing stuff without seeing what we're doing first. And constructive criticism always helps. Don't just criticize me without showing or looking to see what we're doing and why we're doing it that way, mm. if that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I mean, that's essentially the golden rule. It definitely helps like, if you try and put yourself in the shoes of the other person and consider how you're delivering your messages. Just be a little more empathetic. Sorry. I can see that helping everybody. Absolutely. What has sure. your interaction with SNA been like as far as how has that helped you get acclimated to school nutrition when you first came in? I know that you are an active member of SNA. So can you speak to that a little bit? So my experience with SNA, <laughs> I kind of bought it at the beginning. I just wanted to come do my job and then go home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then... When I was in Clayton, one of the managers, Karen, say she she was uh, very active. I think she was president at the time. And she came to me and she was like, you know, you're new. I think this organization would, you know, really benefit you and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, sure, I'll check it out. So I went to a conference that they had. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been the Georgia School Nutrition Annual Conference. And I went and just to sit in these seminars and then hear questions that people were asking and seeing that people are sharing similar experiences as you or have had similar experiences and can help guide your decisions when you ask them questions and, you know, how did they get out of that and all that stuff. That to me has been the biggest blessing is just networking and talking to other people and seeing what they're doing. I like to think that school nutrition, like we don't reinvent the wheel. It's the same thing. But hearing these people's ideas and school nutrition is so open to sharing information and ideas. We're all dealing with the same regulations. And so how your district may be handling a regulation versus ours and seeing what we can do to kind of pull from your district and into ours and see if it works. And what we're doing in our district may help another district. And that to me has been the most amazing part of it. I totally agree that people are so open and so helpful. And sometimes there's no way for you to know some things prior to right. it coming up in the course of work. So it's helpful to know who you can call, who probably already knows the answer and can point you to the right resource. If there was one thing that you could share with people who don't know about your program or school nutrition in general, what would it be? One thing you're really proud of, either a personal accomplishment or something you're proud of that we've accomplished as a field or as a district that you wish everybody knew about? The one thing I will say that our district has been 
good about is we are very progressive. Our director is Cindy Culver, and she is pretty much a visionary as to one of her goals in life is just to feed every kid. (laughs) And how can we do that? How can we support our community? So it's not just being in schools and all that stuff. She really believes that where our department is more than school nutrition. And so getting out in the community and like we went to Taste of Marietta (laughs) and we set out there, we created a booth and all this stuff. And so doing things like that, I think that that just builds trust within our community as well as our um, catering program that I run and I've built relationships with principals and their secretaries where they're coming to us first before they go out of the district. When they use us and they're paying for these things, that puts money back into our school district for our kids. That's money that we're able to use in our department to help feed our students. And so I think getting our community on board and being more recognizable out there to where they trust us with their students and trust that with their students, the proper things and all that stuff. Cause you hear all these stories about school nutrition and everything is frozen and it's not good food. And no, 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 we're working to create a different outlook on school nutrition. So I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. You are welcome. This was fun. Thank <laughs> you.